If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. All right, so I suppose the subject of stealth versus action has been on my mind a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Because I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima for review. Mm-hmm. I've also been playing Ghost of Tsushima. Ah, good. So, um, I think the lesson I'm starting to take from games like that is that Western-developed AAA tentpole games only really do one genre now. <laughs> uh, spe- How do I describe it? It's stealth action open world with crafting and collectibles <laughs> right and it's especially true for uh sony first party developers who were well known for one franchise and then branched out to something completely different i'm looking at you horizon zero dawn mm. <laughs> and you know we have both both like horizon zero dawn and uh and a ghost of tsushima as like these new IPs from well-established first-party Sony developers who both made very, very similar games. Yeah. The emphasis seems to be on letting the player choose the kind of game they want to play. Yes. Which could be, they could favor stealthy activities or they could favor uh, direct combat activities. So Shima's a little bit unique in that it sort of uh, encourages the direct combat more than the stealth. With a lot of these sorts of games, the stealth is the default and you default to action when you fuck that up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in Tsushima, there's literally a mechanic where you can march right up to the front door of the enemy base and go, come on out, you assholes. I'm taking you on. And then you can duel them with a little mini game. And if you succeed, you can get a few free kills before the proper melee. Right. Honestly, once once you get the option to jump off your horse and knee someone to the ground, stealth is never an option anymore because that's just too much darn fun. Which <laughs> raises the question for me as to why there's all these stealth mechanics in the game as well then. Because, uh, much like what you brought up during our debate here, is they tried to integrate both of the gameplay mechanics into the story that it's trying to tell. Yeah, and it does that because it wants to have as broad appeal as possible. So people who like stealth can play it, and people who like direct action can play it. I I think they they tried to interweave it with the narrative in a possibly ham-fisted fashion, but I'm going to give them like partial points here because as as you mentioned in the debate, like that was the code of the samurai and that is what made them lose their first big battle in Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, it's uh, an interesting take Yeah, on, on the stealth versus action formula. I wish it had been reflected in the actual gameplay mechanics, is my point. I mean, it's the plot would have you believe that there's some kind of consequence for taking the terrorist stealth route. Right. But uh, there really isn't, because hmm. it's just another stealth action game designed with the usual templates and algorithms. 
Right. If, if this was a normal story, like that would be the conflict in the first act. And then, you know, like the midpoint break would be finally Jin learning that it's OK to mix up your combat a little bit in in the uh, goal of winning. And and then, you know, the, the lowest point would be when the uncle says, you've disgraced me. Yeah. Uh, but that never happens. The uncle's fine with it. Jin's fine with it. Everybody's fine with you murdering everyone. I so. miss <laughs> the days when video games would have would just stick to a genre mm-hmm. and would actually use that to make a point like like what remember like like the thief games mm-hmm. the the original stealth games if you like yeah yeah the one well the ones around the time of the stealth boom of the late 90s mm-hmm. in those games there's the heavy emphasis on sneaking around it wasn't the annoying stealth where you instantly fail if you're spotted you could fight your way out of it but it was a kind of annoying and clunky combat engine and you definitely weren't supposed to be doing it <laughs> and it was and by focusing by focusing on one mechanic is the point the fact that they focused on that one mechanic not mm-hmm. only made for a more refined experience it also said a lot of things about the characters and the world mm-hmm. this is the sort of person garrett is he's a snake thief that's something that is established in both dialogue and in organic moment-to-moment gameplay and that is something is lost in the smorgasbord, big, wrapped up, hastily strapped together with ribbons gameplay experiences of the modern AAA. And and uh, on the most part, absolutely. I think if if we're going to talk specifically about Ghost of Tsushima, uh, I, I think they clearly put the emphasis on the action. I know myself, I play... I I only play stealth when the game absolutely forces me to, and I I never touch stealth otherwise. Mm. Not a big fan. Uh, well, their their stealth is their combat is I think incredibly fun and satisfying. The the parry mechanic, the different stances for different weapons, everything gels together so nice in the combat. It feels dare I say basic to just sneak up behind someone and stab them in the back it's true and I, the combat is good I feel like it falls back on again a lot of the same templates and algorithms that of a lot of games these days oh sure parry the light attacks dodge the heavy attacks <laughs> you can tell it's a heavy attack because of a little glowy effect <laughs> very Sekiro-esque yes. very Sekiro I mean it's it's Arkham it's Arkham combat without the glowing button prompts to parry. Yeah, it's Assassin's Creed combat. The, yeah. The same stuff as always. This, but they've taken away enough of the UI elements to make it nice. Okay. I, th- <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. It's nice. Yeah. It, very def- it definitely brings across that uh, Kuwasara-esque samurai sword dueling feel, especially in the boss fights. Oh, yeah. But how do you feel about stealth generally? As a mechanic. Uh, I, I like a lot of it. I think there are a lot of fantastic examples of good stealth games. I could never get into the Thief series as I never played them growing up. And technologically speaking, they're just a little too far behind for me to gauge them. I've, I've recently tried to play the, uh, the OG stealth uh, or the OG uh, Thief games. And there was a technological barrier that where i couldn't sync up with it but i i love a lot of the they, don't, they don't look great do they <laughs> they don't look great they don't play super smooth it's it's tough uh but you know things like uh mark of the ninja is is a beautiful stealth game uh things like uh uh, Invisible Ink as a tactical turn-based stealth game, I think is 
is super fun and interesting, even uh, in games like your your Metal Gear Solid Five and the Metal Gear series in general. I think handle stealth very well. I think two of those games you mentioned, Invisible Ink and um, uh, Mark of the Ninja. Mark, Mark the Ninja, yeah. Those two are a good example of pulling off stealth mechanics, but making it feel uh, whip fast. And, yes, and uh, instinctual, <laughs> and it's got the it's got the excitement of a of a fast paced game mechanic in the way it executes. Oh yeah, and I think a lot of ways stealth is done wrong is that it becomes plodding. It becomes waiting for the guards' patrol route to turn around. <laughs> yes, and. And the the bane of any stealth game for me uh, is the tall grass. I think being able to make quick movements mm-hmm. is good for stealth. Like uh, the dishonored blink ability Ooh. is useful. It's um, it's when you have to like slowly creep after a walking <laughs> enemy guard until creeping just like infinitesimally faster than they're walking. Until you're close enough to bop around the back of the head, that's where stealth gets kind of annoying. <laughs> but you know, at the heart of it, I think you know. I only played Dishonored two, which I rather enjoyed, but uh, I also felt like Dishonored fell into the same stealth problem, which is if you failed the stealth aspect of the game, the combat was also good enough where you just said, "Ah, fuck it. I guess I'll just direct combat this." That's what all these like stealth action hybrid games try to pull off. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want a game where having to do the action feels like the punishment for fucking up the stealth. <laughs> right, right. Something, but... something the Batman Arkham games does do extremely well. Because mm-hmm. doing the Predator stuff feels makes you feel like Batman. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. beating the snot out of thugs equally makes you feel like Batman. Yes. Batman's very good at making it look like he meant to do that all along. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell, you one thing, I'll tell you one thing the old Thief games did a lot better than a lot of stealth games these days, is that these days, guard patrol routes always seem to be very, very short. Hmm. When I was playing the new Thief game, the latest one mm-hmm. that's bad, <laughs> where uh, all the in- it's like set from like a, a linear sequence of environments, and they're all fairly small little networks of corridors. And most guards will just walk to one end of a hall, look for a bit, turn around, walk to the other end of the hall. Mm-hmm. But in Thief 2, especially, they had these huge sprawling levels set in these huge mansions that you couldn't probably couldn't do these days for technology reasons. Mm-hmm. Because technology was a bit shittier back then, you could have these huge mansions and guards would patrol the whole thing. You could be surprised by someone just coming in a door and you'd have to swiftly leap into the shadows yeah. and wait for a better chance. It yeah, was yeah. Much, it was much more organic. I suppose <laughs> the the Hitman games do that pretty well. Yeah, and you know, unfortunately, I have not played any of the newer, uh, any of the modern Hitman games. Even though I, I I've heard nothing but good things about them, I haven't got around to playing any of them. The new the new Hitman and Hitman Two really feels like the formula refined. Mm-hmm. I mean, just dropping out like linear missions and story missions. It's just a huge sprawling map. <laughs> Full of characters going about their own agendas. Mm-hmm. And it's about finding all the different creative ways to meet your objectives. <laughs> a puzzle. You know, a good stealth game should be a puzzle game. Absolutely. What was I going to say? I was going to mention something about combat. Like you were talking about Batman combat never feeling like a punishment 
for for breaking and i feel like in you know just because this is the the popular game that we both happen to be playing right now in ghost of tsushima um what we're what we're seeing is actually an incentive to direct combat with yeah. like you said the call out system yeah, that's 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 the rare thing where the game like actively prompts and encourages it mm-hmm. and it, as you say it, it's uh as i said it's it's a rare example of a game actually using gameplay mechanics to express its themes in this mm-hmm. case the nobility of uh, direct bushido style dueling Mm-hmm. It's just a shame there's no actual consequence for not doing it. <laughs> well, I guess that's that's the that's what I'm learning as I'm going through the story. Is there? It doesn't matter whether you're a sneaky assassin or not, as far as the story is concerned. Uh, you know, like I I went through the up until you rescue your uncle. I went through most of that game. Like I said, you know, direct combat, head to head, almost no stealth whatsoever. And then I get a little cutscene where the guy's like, "I hear your I hear your nephew." stabbing people in the back ooh and I, I said no i haven't been <laughs> yeah i assumed uh that i assumed at first that maybe you got a different cutscene if you'd been taking the opposite gameplay approach mm-hmm. but apparently not the no. plot, the plot no. just kind of railroads you through that arc of uh, being tempted <laughs> to do terroristic things and gradually falling away from the uh the the the, the uh principles of bushido but i guess you mm. haven't finished it so you wouldn't know that yet well <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I think I'm. I think I'm getting close. How, where are you now uh, at the moment? Because uh, I have I'm finished like, it. Oh, you have finished it. Yeah. Uh, I'm halfway through the second area. Okay. So what's just happened in the plot where you are? Oh Lord. Um. I'm. I'm trying to get back. Like I'm. I'm just on my way to get back the castle. Right. Yeah. There's some surprises in store for you. I think. Oh, fun. <laughs> But, but anyway, yes. That's all right. Um, stealth. Stealth gameplay. Well, the one little pithy theory that occurred to me in preparation for this discussion was that the difference between direct combat gameplay and stealth gameplay, which mm-hmm. both offer perfectly, in their own ways, when perfected, can offer perfectly satisfactory experiences. But the difference is that direct combat is all about what you do next and stealth is all about when you do it Ooh. see in direct in direct combat is about if you play something like doom eternal doom 2016 that entire game is constant quickfire decision making mm-hmm. you you have a few seconds to look at the uh, environment where you're at you have to look at all the monsters you can see pick on what's the most uh what's the biggest threat at that point mm-hmm. then decide uh, your approach for the next few seconds what weapon would be the best counter to it and sure what, uh, what was the priority target yeah, the priority yeah. how you should uh, approach it where you should position mm-hmm. yourself what weapon you should use but stealth is all about waiting for your moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stealth is about as i say hiding in the bush <laughs> picking it's usually what you do in stealth is always the same thing you it, cul- it culminates in slitting someone's throat mm-hmm and moving on to the next and everything up to that is just if if not like directly pushing the pieces in place like when you throw little distraction objects mm-hmm. it's it's picking that moment and that's i guess that's why people talk about it as a more tactical uh thoughtful thing 
Right. It's, and all, it, it's all tactics. It's just the when rather than the what. Well, I, I think that's where like a game like Invisible Ink is able to shine the brightest in the realm of stealth because other other games use the language of an action game with the mechanics of stealth. And so there is a little bit of a disparate feeling like like with your Dishonored or with Ghost of Tsushima or whatever. You it's it has the feeling of an action game. You know it's an action game, but it's asking you to slow down whereas in a normal action game it's asking you to go faster faster. But in Invisible Ink, it's tactical turn-based and so the game mechanics tell you to slow down and the game play tells you to slow down and it fits together a little nicer it did surprise me playing invisible link why no, how, why no one had thought of that before <laughs> doing turn-based tactical stealthing i guess mm-hmm. there's a few other games that do it yeah um i was playing that desperados 3 recently well that's oh yeah, yeah. that's not turn-based though that's uh that's uh, real time, and had had a very big problem with the with the problem of what happens after you get spotted in a stealth game. Right, your ever famous cock up cascade. Yeah, the cock up cascade. <laughs> that doesn't happen in action games. If anything, action games are just a continuous cock up cascade eternally. It's a it's a mop up cock up. Yeah. <laughs> How many more times can I say cock up? Cock up. Okay. <laughs> I guess the importance is being able to rally. Mm-hmm. I never really had a problem with Cock Up Cascade in, say, The Last of Us 2, because in that game, it's quite easy to l- lose your pursuers. Right. You can reposition yourself, you can rally, and you can uh, restart the stealth loop. <laughs> sure, but and that's always, that's always, that always feels disingenuous restarting the stealth loop even if they even if the ai doesn't go back to neutral even if they just go to like a heightened awareness state it always feels cheap like it always feels like a cheese yeah because like gods gods can have like three of your arrows sticking out of their neck and going well guess it was nothing <laughs> well we, we we can't find her she must have left i i who knows is there is, is this, this infected this is another thing Batman Arkham does really well because the situation like escalates mm-hmm. in the in the Predator missions. The more of them the, you pick off, the more twitchy you get. Yes, I, that was always it feel a... organic. It's what every game that rips off Batman Arkham forgets to do that, and it's really obvious. Right, right. It, it, it was almost like a badge of honor getting getting a guard to blindly shoot up into the rafters in the Batman games was always great. Like knowing you really scared the crap out of them. Yeah. that's the thing about stealth Mm -hmm. i mean just from like a broader philosophical perspective is that action is certainly invigorating but there's something about stealth that feels really satisfying as well Mm -hmm. because if you if you can manage to get through an environment of guards and not kill any of them Mm. or even like get through them without them even knowing you were there yes the ghost run there's a much bigger sense of I guess you could call it emergent storytelling, but there's a sense of uh, satisfaction knowing that eventually they're going to figure out what you just did and they're, <laughs> all they're going to be able to do is jump up and down in impotent rage. Because you're long gone by the time they knew you were there. That's, you know, like action games are a power fantasy and I, I, I consider stealth gameplay to be 
in the same universe as far as power fantasy is concerned. But there's something more about it, too. There's there's the, the feeling of getting away with something that adds a layer to that power fantasy. It's a feeling that rewards a, a skillful approach mm-hmm. rather than just uh, being the stronger. Maybe that's part of it. Yeah, it's it's because you used you got through it using pure skill and cunning. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you kill something, there's no sense that they're going to be jumping up and down in impotent rage once they realize what you've done because they're just dead. <laughs> you monster that's what well, makes hey, like they can't see you no one can spot you if they're dead that's all i'm saying this is why the character of, of the dashing gentleman thief is is, is an enduring character mm-hmm. because because uh, they they embody skill rather than strength well and, and does that does that still count as a power fantasy well it depends on who you are i suppose well, some people like <laughs> uh, revere like the 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 st- the powerful strong character your conan the barbarians and your your Mm -hmm. noble knights and samurais but some people uh, have uh, more revere the smarter more cunning approach i think it comes down to individual background sure sure or is there something a little more is there something like being that we're all weak human i mean you know uh, by we all i mean me specifically i'm a weak weak man i'm a pretty weak man myself (laughs) and so is there something more relatable about about like the person who doesn't have to rely on being strong in order to win (laughs) quite i mean yeah i mean (laughs) any one of us can hide behind a bench and throw distraction objects (laughs) <laughs> exactly this is what this is what made uh this is what made john mcclane yeah in die hard an overnight success to make characters like garrett from thief a very mm-hmm. relatable character mm-hmm. because the schlub wins yeah schlub wins not because he was the strongest but because he was the smartest mm-hmm. not even necessarily because he was the smartest he was he was had the most animal cunning <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's not about like being the smartest it's that word cunning which i think is a is a bit of a nebulous term i think what we're talking about is emotional intelligence Ooh, elaborate on that well like a like a strategic mastermind mm-hmm. who can work with the rules presented in like chess well that's that's smart Mm-hmm. But someone like you, Garrett, comes across as someone who's emotionally intelligent, the kind of person who um, like uh, lures the dog over with a tasty treat and the dog knocks the entire chessboard over and the <laughs> game is called. <laughs> and in many ways, that's people find that character more admirable than the someone person who's just smarts their way through the chess game with their smug know-how. <laughs> sure, this is, this is your classic uh, Captain Kirk defeating the kobayashi maru by literally changing the rules of the game yeah they're manipulators they're (laughs) they're social engineers Ooh, that's it the social engineer i have thought of something so outside the box you can't even stop me yeah i think we're right in saying that those characters tend to be more relatable Mm -hmm. because they're not they're, they're not super geniuses and they're not super powerhouses so any of us could any of us could be one with just our common sense. <laughs> we can slip so easily into that protagonist. Our common sense Alexander the Great style slitting up of the Gordian knot. What? <laughs> am I am I classical references going over your head? 
That that one specifically, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard the term Gordian knot. Well, the story of the Gordian knot goes that there was a there was supposedly this is probably an apocryphal story, or one that's been like elaborated on many many times over the years. Mm-hmm. But in a city that Alexander the Great was once visiting, there was uh, there was supposedly this knot that could not be untied, mm. and uh, many great people had driven themselves mad trying to untie this untieable knot. And when Alexander the Great heard about it, he went straight over, drew his sword, and just cut that motherfucker. (laughs) And like many stories from classical antiquity, Mm. this story has been reinterpreted a lot of ways. A lot of people present it as an example of Alexander the Great's enormous cunning. Sure. His straight straight thinking mind, rather than just his abject laziness. Is it straight? I was just going to say, is it straight thinking or is it more of a your rules don't apply to me? It's it's lateral thinking. It's outside the box thinking. <laughs> All right. No, I like that. I like that. Sorry, I can I can think of many uh, pop culture references that that use a, a very similar story. I like it. I like, uh, you know, uh, your Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, and his, you know, if anyone can climb up the, if anyone can get me that flag from the top of the flagpole, you win the day and all the soldiers fall over themselves to climb up the flagpole. But good old Steve Rogers, he just undoes a pin and knocks down the flagpole so he can get the flag and get the girl. It's the, it's a fairly standard formula for a lot of, like, stories. Just the, Absolutely, the person who finds the cunning, less expected <laughs> way to success, rather yeah. than just following the rules, and uh, where all the strong and intelligent people fail. <laughs> no, I like that, and I, I, I think that just it just helps people ease into the uh, the main character's boots because you're not asking you're not asking the audience to pretend they're strong and you're not asking the audience to pretend they're smart you're asking them to remember that one time they got away with something that maybe they shouldn't I guess this is why there's <laughs> this is why they had those all those segments in the the PlayStation Four Spider Man game where you had to play as one of Spider Man's normal human mates <laughs> and which were to my mind the worst part of an otherwise fairly good experience. Uh, not just to your mind they were the worst part of that game absolutely because it is the more relatable experience but it also deletes the power fantasy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is the other reason people play games we're we're getting some very loud knocking now on my end something's knocking back there so it it might be time to wrap up the podcast as i'm not quite sure what that is okay And I don't know if I can get them to stop. <laughs> so did we draw any specific conclusion about stealth versus direct combat at this point? About stealth versus... Um, both can work if they're done well, which is a really lazy statement. <laughs> yep, it's our usual mealy-mouthed, <laughs> truth is in the middle conclusion, isn't it? But I, I think if, if there's a lesson to be learned, uh, here is find, find a, your main... Find something and do that one thing. It's better to do one thing well than two things half-assed. I'm perfectly on board with that. <laughs> and, and speaking, that is definitely the lesson AAA games need to relearn. Mm-hmm. And if uh, speaking specifically to Ghost of Tsushima, if you are going to try to interplay your gameplay with the story, make it actually mean something. Yes, please. <laughs> instead of just going on with your story no matter what the player does mechanics can when, when you just like take standard mechanics and wrap your specific wallpaper around it you lose 
mm-hmm. sight of the fact that mechanics can be used to establish a theme and a story. If you look, if you look at uh, games like Papers Please, mm. they demonstrate an absolute master mastery of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening. So yeah, that's it. Thanks everyone for coming. Make sure uh, if you haven't yet listened to this episode on Stealth versus Direct Combat, uh, it's over at EscapistMagazine.com. Check it out. Check it out. You can become an Escapist Plus member. Watch all of our videos ad-free. Uh, do You can ask us the creator's questions. Or you can subscribe to us over on YouTube and become a YouTube member, which gets you a fancy little name tag when we live stream over on YouTube. You also get our videos a week early on YouTube, also ad-free. On YouTube. On YouTube. On YouTube. Yes. And remember to follow us all on Twitter. I'm at Yahtzee Croshaw. And I'm at Harlack. And there's a dedicated Escapist channel and a dedicated Zero Punctuation channel on Twitter as well. That's true. Man, you got a lot of following to do today. Uh, uh, come on, get it first. Get on it. Uh, warm up your clicker finger and start following, baby. Yeah, you, you get to that. We'll see you next time. Okay. <laughs> bye, bye, everyone. Bye.